right, everybody, welcome to Simply Cyber Live, bringing cybersecurity industry experts on to share best practices, tips, and their experiences with you. We're here every Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For those of you with us, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Gerald Ozier, and over the next hour, we'll be talking with Ari Aitan and Roy Halevi from Intizer about the modern SOC analyst workflow. SOC analyst skills are widely talked about, but as technologies advance and threat actors have evolved, so have the workflows for the SOC analyst. So if you're interested in being a SOC analyst, definitely want to chime in. If you are a SOC analyst, you want to make sure that you've got those modern techniques under your belt, right? I hope you're pumped to hear more about the topic. So you're encouraged to ask questions and engage via chat. You guys know this. I love the Simply Cyber community. You guys are the ones that make the Simply Cyber live experience amazing. Now, a couple of protocols for the questions. First off, Start all the questions with a capital Q. It makes it easy for me to know that you're talking to me and not to chat so I can you know, pull those. And also I'll make every effort to get to your question. So no need to submit it more than once, right? Spamming your question isn't gonna get me to ask it any faster and it's annoying, right? So excessive spamming will not be tolerated for the good of the group. Be sure to connect with me and many members of the Simply Cyber community within the Simply Cyber Discord server. You can hit exclamation point discord in chat and nightbot will gladly tell you exactly how to join okay so enough with the intro let's get into the show all right ari and roy thanks for being here guys really enjoy the interzer product obviously i've been talking about it on the show uh for quite a while thank you for taking time um, from your busy schedules to talk with us. So just to kind of set the stage, if if you will, for people who may not be familiar with you or with Intizer, uh, Roy, if you could just introduce yourself and give us a little bit of a background so we understand your perspective. Sure. So uh, my name is Roy, uh, and I'm the CTO and one of the co-founders here at Intizer. I'm in charge of the uh, product roadmap and strategy and execution. And I work closely with uh, Ari here, um, who will present himself in a second. And of course, I'm also a Simply Cyber fan. Uh, so um, uh, we also love your content as well, Jerry. So thank you so much for doing all of this for the security industry. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. I love the Simply Cyber community. Ari, <laughs> can you give us a little bit of background on you? Sure. Uh, so my name is Ari. I'm the VP of Research here at Intezer. I run the research team. Uh, I used to be a security researcher and the head of the uh, IDF CERT team, which is the incident response team of the IDF. So uh, my team and I had to take care of all of the nation state attack who targeted the IDF. And uh, as you can imagine, we had a lot of things to do. And for the past six years, I've been at Intezo. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, we could do a whole show around just that topic, uh, so maybe, <laughs> maybe something to dig into later. So, But the name of this show is The Modern SOC Workflow, and we, we talk about SOC analyst life and SOC analyst tooling uh, on the channel. But uh, Roy, on your perspective, can you give us kind of a high-level overview uh, for those who don't work as SOC analysts in today's day? What is the, the SOC workflow currently look like? Yes. So, and this is maybe it's it's my observation. Today we are working with a lot of SOC teams and incident response teams, so so we know what they're going through. And I can tell you, it's really different from uh, different companies, and it's probably going to be very different six months or a year from now, right? So it's uh, 
constantly evolving. But I think that uh, what we see today in comparison to a few years ago is that uh, a few years ago there was uh, a problem around getting like detection signals. Uh, so there wasn't enough telemetry, there was, wasn't enough detections to, to detect stuff. And, uh, and, uh, and this was like the number one uh, challenge to, to, to uh, implement and get these systems running and, uh, and build the right detections and build the right systems and so on. Um, and uh, today, I think we are in an era where, like, the bottleneck went uh, the, the, to the later stage, and now uh, SOC teams feel like they are overwhelmed with detection signals. And of course, we want to build great detection as an industry, and that means that there is also uh, 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 clear detections, right? Stuff that you know for sure, okay, this is totally bad. Like, for example, I find that. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, a hash of a, of a malware, of a known malware. This is definitely bad. But if I only use this technique, I'm going to very limiting myself, I, my detection capabilities. And therefore, we are going to towards more uh, uh, um, sophisticated and advanced, but also more soft type of detections like uh, behaviors and anomalies and other techniques that also produce uh, some uh, noise. And then what happens is and I think this is the number one challenge with the SOC teams that we see today, is that they're just overwhelmed with this uh, amount of detections. Uh, it's very hard to triage, to differentiate the, the right ones, the ones that actually possess risk to the organization, to the ones that should be ignored or are like in a very low priority. And, um, and uh, uh, priority, I think, is the one that actually confirmed. And then when you confirm the, an incident, you have... Now you need to go to, to, to resolve it, to respond to it. So that's uh, another challenge that we see um, uh, uh, people really uh, uh, struggling with. Um, it also, uh, in terms of detection, but the attack surface is, is so huge, right? Like uh, it's, it's not only Windows machine anymore. It's, uh, it's so, ma so many uh, type of infrastructure uh, in the cloud on premises and Linux and containers. And uh, uh, and a lot of, we see a lot of Macs uh, uh, used in a lot of enterprise organizations, like really large enterprise organizations. So, as a SOC analyst, you need to learn and be uh, 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 on top of so many technologies. So it's so hard uh, to to really do that. Um, and um, uh, for if you go like one uh, level higher in hierarchy to the to the ones that leads these SOC teams and uh, and uh, maybe even the CISO in some organization for them. The problem is uh, is around the resources, uh, so it's very hard to to hire the right people and uh, and, um, and make sure they are skilled enough to, with all of this technology. And uh, recently, we we also see that it's very hard to retain these people. Uh, uh, they get fatigue not not just the alert fatigue, but they get fatigue from from the work from this uh, uh, work that they do. Uh, uh, in general, it's very hard and it can be uh, very frustrating sometimes. So we see people uh, jumping between uh, jobs all the time. And this is like a critical challenge for all the uh, security uh, leaders uh, in such, uh, in such uh, enterprises that we are uh, working with. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot there. I mean, we're talking about the great resignation, about how, yeah. you know, the talent gap, if you will, in the industry, how there's more people uh, who need uh qualified candidates and or businesses needing qualified candidates versus uh candidates with the skills to be able to put that in there one of the things you pointed out roy that i found really interesting and really explains kind of 
what's happening from an evolution of our industry perspective is how there was a lack of telemetry, you know, whatever, a, a year ago, two years ago, whatever. And people were clamoring, I need to know what's going on. Give me that telemetry. So now here's, here's fistfuls of telemetry and we, you know, you end up getting overwhelmed. So like, I guess let's talk about that for a second from, from a SOC analyst perspective, if you get a ton of telemetry, there is the reality of false positives, right? So where it looks like it's something bad, but it's actually not. And analysts are spending cycles, spending time, spending energy um, on those false positives. So how has, I guess, the, the, how do we address, you know, the first part of the workflow, which is identifying false positives so you're not spending time on them and actually focusing on true positives? Yeah. So, so th that's a very big challenge that I think, I think yet as a security industry, we, we, we aren't there yet, right? Like there's still this fatigue. We still haven't managed to do this uh, automatically. And, and I think also one of the things that, that we should uh, talk about is that false positive are part of good security. Uh, so if you have a system that should report to you, should signal you when something behaves out of the ordinary, because it's suspicious, Yes, sometimes it will flag maybe a legitimate software that does that, but this security system did the right thing, flagging you about suspicious behavior, about abnormal behavior. So uh, it's not a problem that we can just uh, tick a box and, and then it disappears because we need layers of detections. And one of some of these layers are going to produce some, uh, 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 what we call uh, false positives. Um, not because they are, they're, they're uh, signaling the right thing like this, software behaves strange. Uh, it's just that it's not a malware or another threat that really possesses to the organization. So I think uh, what we learned uh, from our experience in the, in the Israel military um, around responding and uh, to alerts is that you, the, the things, the toolset that you're using to, to generate signals is, uh, can be different from the toolset that you use to investigate them. Um, uh, for example, uh, uh, you can report on a software that behaves strangely, uh, but then when you go to it and let's say that you uh, put yourself in the mindset of someone in the, in the, in the government, consider that this is a potential nation state attack, you would get this uh, suspicious software to a reverse engineer to look into it and tell you exactly what's going on there, uh, because that might be uh, an APT. Um, and if so, this is like a, a true, a true risk. Um, so the kind of uh, technology that, that generated the signal is very different than the ones that uh, the uh, reverse engineer will go and dive deep into. So for me, this is a, maybe a, a, a long way to say that I think that in order to deal with the false positive uh, problem, we need to stack additional type of methods and technologies to do the investigation type of things. So now that I got this uh, initial signal, now let's put additional technologies and additional methods into uh, 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 scanning everything that we can to learn more about this thing because the initial signal is it's not where it should end um so uh, i hope that makes sense no it does and I, and i do appreciate that you're saying false positives are not necessarily a bad thing right they like i feel like i almost painted it as like uh there's never a good time you want to eliminate all false positives. But to your point, um, the system doesn't know what good behavior and bad behavior is. And 
we, we could get into detection engineering later on because that's really what you need to do in order to tune your tooling. But, you know, how, okay, so dealing with this, how are um, tools in the environment, and I know Intizer is doing something around this, um, how, how are product trying to help SOC analysts, you know, automate things that remove um, false positives or alert fatigue? Like, how can we address this false positive in a way that makes sense? Yeah, so so I, I can share how uh, like we at Intezer approach it, and we really uh, believe that the the code and the, the software itself is the is the core thing, is the ground uh, truth. So we're really focusing on helping analysts understand that, understand that when they investigate it, and also understand it uh, uh, automatically. Um, so uh, our technology really dives into, let's say there's a, we flagged a, a detection system flagged the suspicious uh, software. We'll go, we'll dive into this code that we see inside and we'll, we'll uh, uh, really uh, go to the assembly level and behavior level and everything that we see inside um, uh, to give you insights about it. Um, um, maybe I can show a quick example that uh, can demonstrate it. Yeah, that would be useful. And while you're pulling that up, I mean, we actually, you know, are having Dr. Josh Strohshine on uh, the channel, or we just had a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, digging into assembly is not a skill that everyone has, right? Like you just mentioned that it's hard to staff yeah. a SOC with just people who can respond to incidents, let alone have the skill to properly digest <laughs> a binary and do something, uh, you know, useful with it. So what are we looking yeah. at here, Roy? Yeah, so this is, uh, we are partnering with a lot of other uh, technologies and other uh, solutions. So here we partner with uh, Sentinel-1 uh, with their uh, EDR product. So what you see here is maybe uh, uh, the, the uh, screen that, um, that a SOC analyst can uh, wake up to in the morning uh, when they change uh, shift. Uh, there uh, are three, right, right. Uh, yeah. really, so we are looking at a Sentinel-1 EDR solution interface. Yes, right yes. Right? So this is what a, a yes, yes. see in a Sentinel-1 environment. Okay, I just wanted to set. Yep. Yes, yes. Thank you for clarifying that, Jeremy. Thank you. Uh, but yes, this is Sentinel-1 dashboard. Nothing yet related uh, to Intezer. Uh, and these are uh, attacks that, uh, that uh, or potential attacks that the Sentinel-1 technology flagged. Um, you can see here, like, the, the reason why these things uh, got flagged. And let me jump into a specific uh, alert in this example. Um, so um, let me dive into this one. Can you so zoom in just a little bit, Roy, please? Yeah, of course. Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Great. So what you see here is that the uh, uh, Sentinel-1 uh, flagged a behavior-based uh, um, uh, signal. And if you look here on the on the right side, and let me go to the threat indicators. You can see that this program is uh, um, uh, accessing sensitive information, um, register itself as a service. Like these are things that can uh, that some malware do, um, and this can be suspicious. So so in this case, the the DR did what it should have done. Like this is a new uh, uh, thing in my environment, and 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 they flagged around this uh, specific thing. Um, but in our case, uh, what you see here is actually what happened automatically. In our case, when the analyst gets to this incident, they get it after it was automatically enriched with integer data. And when we say enriched, basically what happened is that integer looked, automatically looked at this alert, 
extracted all the relevant artifacts. In this case, it was a, a, a file, analyzed it, and marked this file as benign, as trusted, and mentioned that this is probably Jump Cloud, uh, a legitimate uh, software. Um, and uh, we can, from here, dive into the, the, uh, the report of Intercept and really see all the code that was extracted. And in this case, let's take a look at, uh, at one of these, uh, the code that was extracted, one of these files, uh, and you can see clearly, and this is where Intezer really does the magic uh, around like getting into the code, matching all this code against our database, against our glo global database that contains benign software, legitimate software, and also threats and malware and any kind of things that you can think about. And we say, listen, this is actually, yeah, this is Jump Cloud. Like we recognize this code. It, it was seen in other Jump Cloud applications. So in this case, it's much easier now for the, for the analyst to really uh, uh, maybe close this alert, reduce the priority and jump into the next one. And this is dramatically different from when we confirm an alert. So all of these things happen automatically. And imagine that an analyst would get into this uh, screen without uh, the, uh, this context. It can take uh, uh, much longer for them to make, uh, to make uh, a decision. And just as a comparison, I would like to show what maybe a, uh, a confirmed incident would look like. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, look uh, 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 pretty similar, uh, like you get the classification with the, with the malware. Um, and then Intersex says, listen, we confirm. This is not just a model, this is NJRAT, and this is some uh, information about it. And now the analysts can dive in um, into this. Maybe this was a file that we identified uh, over a phishing email or, or something that we found in one of the, of the machines. Um, and now they can dive in, they can learn about this type of threats um, and uh, respond to it uh, properly, get all the relevant information around the TTPs that was used, the IOCs, the behavior, and uh, maybe uh, I can show some more advanced features here, but the, the thing here is that the analyst can really, the SOC team as a, as, a, as a team can really accelerate and automate a lot of this uh, analysis process using such technology um, because we are focusing on all the things that reuse code, reuse techniques, reuse uh, uh, behavior, reuse uh, infrastructure, as a way to detect and learn more about this threats. Uh, I, I covered a lot here, so. Yeah, no, it's good, it's good though. You know, I, I, pers I mean, this is part of the reason why I personally use Intezer. I know you guys have a ton of functionality and a ton of capability um, that I'm not personally taking advantage of, but I'm also not a SOC analyst. But the ability to use what you guys call genes, which is essentially like bits of assembly, uh, it takes, it takes the analysis from, or the indicators of compromise from the bottom of David Bianco's pyramid of pain to the top, which is where we really want to be. And, and yeah. for me, that's something that I really uh, appreciate and, and frankly, why I use the product. So uh, you, you showed some Sentinel-1 um, integration and I, I kind of want to talk about, you know, the modern SOC, you know, <laughs> Like SOAR was supposed to be like the savior, right? The, the security orchestration, automation, remediation. Um, I believe that's what the SOAR acronym stands for. It was taking you from manually doing things to automatically doing things based on conditions yeah. and stuff like that. We just saw Sentinel-1 integrating with Intezer. Um, uh, Roy, 
as far as integrations go, you know, is is integration in the current modern sock like legit or is it is it like uh, you know the twenty twenty two buzzword of of the industry? Wow. So um, so I think that it's um, uh, it really depends because yeah it, it's definitely a buzzword but you can you can use it to your advantage and I think that it's like automation is a critical part like you cannot uh, operate an enterprise with the threats that you have today and with the detection system that you have today without doing any automation that would be that would be irresponsible and uh, this is i think also one of the reasons that people are losing uh, uh, analysts uh, that jump from uh, from job to job because they are doing some repeatable uh, work so i think that uh, like looking at, at automation as a whole is is very important and identify where you can really automate and reduce this uh, alert fatigue and uh, when it comes to to automation tools like uh, like soar they are also a critical component uh, because they help you create these workflows, these automated workflows of things that happen once this happened. So once you get a suspicious phishing email, you want to do this step and then that step, and then you can automate this. Um, so this is definitely one critical component of, of let's call it uh, the modern uh, SOC, um, but it cannot be done by itself. I think that we work with uh, a lot of organizations that are having a lot of challenges implementing their souls uh, properly. This is this is a challenge by itself. Like it's important, but this is actually requires skills and requires a, a, a specific personnel to help you and do this sort of thing. So it's it's not like a magic that you can just do and now you don't need so much analyst. No, it's yeah. I think it, we are we're, we're in an era today where it's actually the opposite. If you want to really implement properly sorry you need more people that can help you with that and uh, so it's not a magic uh and the other thing around automation uh, and SOAR is, is is a critical component that helps you automating the workflows so once this happened do this and integrate with other uh, solutions but there's the part of making actual decisions so uh, uh, uh and you you cannot do that with just automations you need to, uh, to, to, to come up with technologies that help you really doing, doing the investigation and doing uh, threat intelligence and doing these sort of things that are critical to making decisions. So I think this is where Intel comes in um, and helps you with the analysis of, for example, uh, a suspicious file, a suspicious URL, a, specific, uh, a suspicious endpoint and so on. And, uh, and you want to connect it with other parts of your security stack using maybe a SOL. Um, one of the reasons I showed like the one-to-one -one integration with Sentinel-1, uh, and we have it with other EDRs and also with other systems. The reason that we also built, we have like integration with all the leading uh, SARS and even the open source ones. Uh, but the reason we are also doing a one-to-one -one integration with tools like Sentinel-1, uh, also uh, uh, others, is that, uh, first of all, we don't always see a well-implemented SOAR with the organizations that we work with, and therefore we want to allow them to integrate uh, without uh, waiting for the SOAR implementation project that can take sometimes years. Um, yeah. 
So this is uh, uh, one thing. And the other thing is that we want to simplify, uh, uh, simplify the processes. And I think like this is an integration that you can just in a click of a button set it up and it already have this uh, automation going on uh, without going through SO2. But uh, looking forward, I think it's uh, uh, any automation tool is, is a key ingredient in, in a modern software that want to be well functioned. Yeah, so I mean, definitely the key takeaway for chat is automation allows SOC analysts to move faster. It doesn't replace SOC analysts, right? I mean, that's the key takeaway. Yeah. And Ari, yeah. don't worry. I've got I've got a host of questions for you. Don't think I'm <laughs> down there. No, no, I'm just I'm waiting for my time patiently. Yes, yes, exactly. So, uh, Roy, one one final question before I turn the grill on uh, Ari. Um, so, we've got we've got these alerts coming in. We, we're enriching it. In the modern SOC, how are analysts supposed to, or what what are we seeing as far as how you prioritize those alerts? Like, okay, like they are true. So now what? Like they can't all be equal. So uh, what are we people? What are people doing for prioritization? Yes. So um, I'll, I'll start with maybe the simplest uh, things, and then I let Abi talk about more advanced uh, things because uh, I think he can really put some insights there. But uh, um, when it comes to to prioritization, um, I think you should uh, have. Uh, what we try to, to, to provide when we see, when we uh, confirm uh, an alert, we try to tell you what stands behind it. So if you, if you see everything like a generic uh, a malware, generic trolling doesn't tell you much. Um, but when you dive into the code, what we try to, to provide is a classification or in certain cases, even attribution. If you talk about really sophisticated cases and this can really help you differentiate the, the adware um, or maybe even a Bitcoin wallet that gets flagged from something that is a ransomware, uh, an info stealer, uh, maybe an espionage operation. And if you think about like uh, large enterprises that have a lot of uh, uh, cyber risks around them um, and uh, maybe get uh, targeted, uh, I think these are the things that worries them the most. Uh, so it's not the the uh, like that can be like the usual uh, spread of uh, of uh, of malware over the internet, right? That can be blocked, but the most sophisticated the, the most sophisticated things are the one that worries them. So being able to differentiate between the the spectrum of bad, I mm -hmm. think it's also a key key ingredient, especially if you want to take your SOC operations uh, uh, to the next level. Ari you want to add anything about this uh, subject? No, I, I very much agree, Roy. I think it's not just a world of good or bad, but there are, there are shades uh, of bad, and you want to know as an organization which alert you should prioritize first and address, even once you found the, uh, let's call it the needle between the haystack of alerts that you have. You want to know, you probably have uh, multiple needles, mm -hmm. and you want to know where to spend your resources on. And uh, I must say, as, as a, I, I used to be a reverse engineer. And, and for me, even once I have a file that I need to investigate and see, I know that it's malicious. Let's assume that I, I've detected malicious activity in it. Still determine if this file is an APT or uh, just a commodity rat that someone took and deployed could take, in best case, I would say hours, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe even more than that. And you need to react fast, right? You need to know fast uh, or quickly what you're dealing with. 
therefore, adding as much context as you can uh, to the alert, including uh, to the uh, file itself, uh, I believe it's, it's the best way to help the analyst make the, the right uh, decision. Yeah, and, and that is something that I have said on the channel before, like, I, you know, I'm certainly not your level of reverse engineer, but I, I know how to do it. And it's a lot of fun. Like ripping malware apart is a lot of fun. It's like a puzzle, but it takes a ton of time. And in all honesty, I'm responsible for protecting an organization, not playing with malware, frankly. So yeah. as much as I enjoy doing it, it's more of a my own time hobby than being able to do it. So I'm 100% with you right there, Ari. Now, let me ask you, since you are a threat researcher, what what is, I guess, what's the current state of the threat landscape or how has it evolved in like the last six months? Like what, what's our current, what's the modern SOC looking at right now? Well, that's a very wide question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I would say uh, recently, uh, I, I cannot say that it happens in the past six months, but in the past, I would say a year or two, we've seen a lot of threats written in Go, Golang, mm -hmm. uh, probably due to the fact that attackers are now aiming not only for uh, Windows platform, but other platforms as well, Linux and so on, uh, with all the cloud shifting. Um, and Go is the best uh, investment for them because, you know, they write it once and uh, you get the different payloads for all, for all platforms. Um, we also see Mac, uh, Mac OS as a, as a new platform that attackers are aiming for. Um, actually, recently we've just discovered a new... Uh, a new threat called uh, SysJoker, which is an APT. It's basically a backdoor. Uh, this one is written in C++, but it's, it has versions for all uh, operating systems, both uh, Windows, Linux, and Mac. The, the Linux and Mac samples were, uh, variants were completely undetected. Um, so you see that it's, it's even uh, easy for the attackers to write the uh, malware that gets undetected and under the radar for those platforms since they're so uh, uh, not uh, they're not mature enough in terms of mm -hmm. uh, security solutions yeah i saw the blog post that intizer put out about sys joker so with sys joker um i guess it was you know kind of the promise of java right right once run anywhere kind of thing um were you seeing it or were you um were you detecting sys joker because of those ttps or because of those those genes being reused, you know, you said it went undetected, but was it, was it behavior based or was it because of code reuse that you guys were able to discover it and share with the community? So actually in this specific case, we've detected it since uh, uh, we took care of the incident, a, a live incident uh, in, in one of our customers that got attacked by a uh, sysjoker. But overall, we, and when in our reputation, we've detected the, Russian APTs, North Korean APTs, Chinese, and so on. The code use is the key because because attackers spend time, you know, in changing uh, this uh, 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 network IOCs that they have, or you know, changing or hiding the string or pack the sample that they have so it would be undetected by traditional uh, uh, security products. But the code is being reused all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. or most of the time, I would say. And if not, and we've seen something written from scratch, this is also sus suspicious for itself. How many times do you see in an organization a code that doesn't sh doesn't look like anything else that exists in your network, right? This could be uh, 
a bit off and, and uh, requires further investigation. So to your question, yeah, we've seen not only code reuse in, in most cases, but also string reuse. And we, we've detected reuse of IOCs and TTPs and network artifacts. Um, and as Roy mentioned at the beginning, uh, we believe in reuse, right? We started with code reuse um, and then we expanded this for also string reuse and, and basically artifacts reuse uh, all the time. Mm -hmm. I think, well, uh, yeah, go ahead, Roy. Yeah, just to just to add on top of what uh, Ari mentioned about the Sysjocker incident, I think what was uh, uh, really clear in that case is that was the code that we saw there was not uh, matching into any of the benign software that we have in our database. So we just saw this very strange binary with a lot of code that was never seen before. Um, this was like highly suspicious uh, to see because it's not something that you see irregularly in production environments uh, 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 with the clients that we are working with. It's, it's, it's very uncommon. So mm -hmm. this was like really flagged itself uh, for us. Okay, this is definitely a support that we should look into. And once we confirmed that, uh, that this was actually uh, a new type of attack, the reason that it, that it, it wasn't uh, detected and we actually, I think that the first variant that we found was the Linux one. So it was really completely undetected. We, we, we had no idea about it prior to, to monitoring it uh, in the wild. Um, once we identified it and confirmed this is actually an attack and started looking into this type of threat, we were able using, uh, as I mentioned, using the reuse to identify the other variants because we were actually uh, uh, looking at the breach into, into a Linux environment uh, and once we like added this type of uh, artifacts and genes into our database, we were able to then uh, spread the uh, spread the detection into other platform and hunt for new variants uh, uh, in the wild. Um, so yes, in this case, you can see the attacker reusing code and strings and techniques between different platforms. And we were actually, you can imagine, quite surprised when we saw that this malware is actually targeting multiple OSs because we were managing a specific in incident into a specific OS. So, uh, but that was like the flow of this uh, incident response. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate that you guys were letting the data drive you and do the talking instead of having an assumption and using the data to reinforce your assumption, right? Uh, and then and and then just broadcasting that like oh we found a Linux variant let's move on, um, so you know I guess one of the things that we've been talking about with the modern SOC we've been talking a lot about detect and responding to it, but the modern SOC has this capability which we lovingly call threat hunting, and um, that definitely is I don't know if it's an advanced skill per se or if junior analysts can do threat hunting but. As far as the the operation of threat hunting goes and the workflows of threat hunting in the modern SOC, Ari, can you can you talk about, you know, when you when you have a detection, a true positive or a near miss, you know, potentially, how can how can analysts leverage that and start executing threat hunting in their environment? That's a great question. So traditionally threat hunting uh, was being done by, you know, searching for a specific hash in your organization once you know it's malicious or in the more advanced way, if you have a, a, a DNS that you want to search for in your logs 
but now we've seen a trend of detection engineering, which is basically taking the detection to a, and the hunting operations to a whole new level. And maybe I can share my screen quickly and show you um, how we do it at the research team at Intezer and how we provide uh, value for it in, the, in our product. Maybe in the in the mean in the meanwhile I'll I'll mention the round like detection engineering. If we talked before about all this telemetry that SOC teams currently have in their hands, I think when we look at threat hunting and detection engineering, we see this telemetry not as a not as an overwhelming uh, pile of alerts, but uh, and events, but as an opportunity to do detection. Um, and uh, and I think that this is something if we talked about SOC teams years ago and today, I think this is an advantage and opportunity that SOC teams and, and, and security teams in general have today that they didn't have in the past. So this pile of telemetry also represents great opportunity to, to build detections and hunt for threats. Great. So let me show you quickly how, how that looks like. This is an analysis of an Excel file at Intezer Analyze. Uh, we've, we see that the file is a uh, is an, an Excel file, and after executing it, we've detected it as formbook. The payload in memory is a formbook. Now, uh, besides the uh, detecting reuse uh, with related samples that you could see of other payloads of formbook uh, that exist in our platform and string reuse to other payloads of formbook, you could also get uh, TTPs and even network IOCs from the behavioral report. But there is a limit of what you can do with the behavioral report in terms of hunting. And what we, uh, we want to give the analysis more, the analyst more tools to detect and hunt, as Roy said, we did all the telemetry that exists in all his, uh, and all the logs and uh, data feeds that uh, uh, they have. Uh, therefore, we've created this detect and hunt screen, which is basically detection opportunities based on uh, this one is based on the uh, behavior. And you could see here uh, artifacts and where we've seen those artifacts in the past. So for example, we have this process that opens CMD and name.exe. This is suspicious. We've seen it in form book in the past. And now you can go and hunt for this specific uh, flow, this specific process tree in your uh, feeds just to see if you have more infections. Now, if traditionally you would search for the hash, for attackers, it's quite easy to change it, right? They just need to flip one byte and, and that's it. But now, once we're taking into account more sophisticated, and here is the pyramid of pain, uh, Gerald, that you mentioned before. So we could choose exactly uh, what type of thing we want to base our detection on. It's up to us and based on the logs that we have. But once you take it to this new level, you get much more accurate detection and, and wider detection, uh, which is not based on traditional indicators like uh, hash or network IOCs, which exists here as well, in case you still want to do it. And I, I encourage uh, I encourage one to do it. it. It is important. But if you want to take it to the next level, uh, that's, that's the right way to do it. And I can tell you personally from my experience that in the research team, we use that in order to detect what is unique and like what is unique for this specific malware threat uh, or uh, this specific family. And... Uh, based on that, it's not only we're not limiting ourselves to a hash-based uh, hunting process, mm -hmm. right? We get much more coverage, and we've detected some cool things that we're working on actually at the moment uh, using uh, uh, this new method.
Yeah. And you know, you might not be able to see it on in, in the screen share if you're on mobile, but I see at the top, it says Sigma. So you guys have the capability to output Sigma rules for, for integration. Yeah. So basically you could generate a Sigma rule uh, based on the, the relevant the, the detection ops that you want. Um, we can recommend on ones that we believe would be ideal for you for this specific threat, or you could choose uh, the Sigma rule, the, the opportunities that you want to base your Sigma rules uh, on. This will be available soon. But even at the moment, if you believe and you've detected that this uh, process tree is something that you want to base your detection on based on the platform and the fact that you're familiar with your network uh, well, you could even right now create a Sigma rule by yourself manually, but soon you'll be able to do it automatically and deploy it. Uh, based on that, you could detect much better than, you know, just search for the hash in your organization. Yeah, definitely going going north in the pyramid of pain, uh, which is where you want to be. Um, one quick question that occurred to me, Ari, like you were able to filter just on the top of the pyramid, right? Like, again, I'm more of a CISO than a SOC analyst, right? I do, I do some blue, but, you know, I dabble. Why would you not want to just do all of the the entire pyramid why would you want to just do the top i mean i know it's more effective but why like what's the disadvantage of the whole thing i don't think you want to do just the top i i prefer to start from the top you know just to make sure that the detection is the most effective one that i could create mm -hmm. um but sometimes you don't have uh detection of at the top of the pyramid so you have to go down uh, and down it, oh, it also depends on how many resources you have right if you if you could cover the full pyramid like, why not? But if not, then you should start at the top uh, of the pyramid just to, to make sure that you're focusing on what's important and available for you. Okay, that sounds good. We're, we're almost done uh, with, the, with this part right here. Uh, Roy, do you want to provide some final thoughts before we jump into the live and do Q&A with everybody? Sure. So, uh, first of all, uh, I hope that it was uh, meaningful and, uh, and helpful for all the folks here. And uh, definitely, if there's anything that uh, I want you to, to get out of this uh, is that uh, try to automate triage, try to, to enrich things before an analyst get a look into an incident that can dramatically increase the, the efficiency of the, uh, of the SOC. Um, and uh, we are always happy to connect with the security professionals. So we have our free edition where people can go register and start to use the platform uh, for free. It has a, a, a 55 scans a, a month, and you can start with that. And uh, of course, if some of you are interested in some of the enterprise features, the ones that uh, Ari showed, we'd be happy to connect. You can uh, uh, book some time with us in, the, uh, in our website, and we are always uh, looking forward to getting feedback and uh, working with uh, other security professionals. Um, so that's it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Roy, Ari. All right, guys, let's hop into live chat. I got your questions all queued up. We're going to dig in and uh, get those questions answered. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. All right, Roy, how are you doing, man? That was great. I really, really appreciate all that you do uh, in coming on the show and talking about this with everybody. We got a lot of questions queued up in chat here. One easy softball for you right out the gates. Um, there was a question about the integrations. We saw Sentinel One. You talked about some other ones. What's the deal with what EDR platforms are currently going to be supported in this solution? 
Great. So um, also, uh, thank you, Jerry. It was really nice to have this uh, discussion with you, and I'm happy to take all these questions. So the one-to-one -one integrations we have with uh, EDRs are with Sentinel-1, uh, CrowdStrike. We are now building uh, some uh, additional ones, including uh, Microsoft Defender uh, 365, so stay tuned. And you can also find all of the integrations that Intel have in our uh, form of our product, you have like the integration in the menu and you can click on it and see like all the integration with SOAR tools, analysis tools and so on. So we really uh, encourage that. Of course, we also have an open API. So we see uh, analysts building like their own custom uh, integrations and so on. So you can basically integrate with anything you want using this API. But when it comes to integrations, the ones that you can find in our product, you just click on integrations and this is it. Nice. Easy, easy peasy. So Tom Pike, Tom, love seeing you in chat. Thanks for all the help you do with Simply Cyber. How important is MITRE ATT&CK framework for SOC analyst roles? Good. So I, I think you have some some thought about this uh, as well, Jerry, but uh, mm -hmm. I, I think what we see is that it's like the way that uh, analysts and security professionals communicate with each other. Um, so it's I think it's very important to, to learn about the concept it's very hard to know all of the techniques and all of the tactics. Um, uh, but I think to understand like the concept and being able to communicate it, uh, this is a critical uh, part. So, uh, for example, we learned that SOC teams, when they communicate with threat intelligence teams and when threat intelligence teams communicate back to SOC and IR teams, they're really doing it uh, uh, with this MITRE ATT&CK uh, framework in mind because it's it's a great way to communicate. And it's also a language that a lot of security products speak. So uh, uh, you can, uh, for example, from Intesa, you can generate a report with all the MITRE ATT&CK uh, techniques that was observed. Um, and that's also true for many other products. So I think it's a very uh, good framework to, to become familiar with and use on a daily basis. Yeah, sorry, Tom, I, I took your question now when I was screwing with the banners. Uh, Nathan Bolin asked a similar question. Uh, I am going to get my thoughts right now on MITRE ATT&CK. It's just Nathan's question kind of also parlays into the value of MITRE ATT&CK for those SOC analysts. So Nathan follows up on top of Tom, you know, what are some ways to use MITRE in your threat intelligence with threat hunting? And can this be done with SIM and EDR? So real quick, guys, I really strongly believe that MITRE ATT&CK was an incredible like movement forward for our industry. Essentially what you have done is you've put your arms around an entire taxonomy of what threat actors can do, right? There's no more magic. There's no more mystery. It's going to fall into the framework. So by doing that, we at least have our arms around it, right? We may not like, you know, worms and sand and stuff might sip through, but we got our arms around it. Now using it with threat intelligent, threat hunting, right? So Roy talked about it. And again, I use the Intersert product. So when I analyze, um, you know, a, mal uh, a binary or something like that, if it is malicious, it'll show you kind of where it maps onto the framework. This is advantageous because you just found an artifact in your environment. For me, the first thing I'm thinking of is, well, two, there's twofold, right? For me, I'm like, okay, like, this is communicating out like do we like let's look in the sim to see if there's any uh, other network communication out to that ip from other hosts indicating perhaps that there's other compromises within the environment right because sometimes malware gets dropped in multiple places and one piece of malware yeah that catches by the edr but another piece doesn't because it you know it's dormant or it's got different kind of look and feel to it but it's talking to the same 
uh, C2 infrastructure, right? So using the SIM to see that stuff is definitely useful. Now, if, final thing I'll say, if you're going to take it to the next step, when you start mapping TTPs to actual, a, uh, not APTs, but to threat actor groups, and you're you're seeing like in Intezer or, or in anywhere, like these are the um, mappings to the MITRE ATT&CK framework, like, holy crap, this is mapping to APT41. Like now, like that's that's a major concern. Let's go threat hunting for the other things that APT41 maps to in the framework. You know what I mean? Like it gives you that visibility on what to go hunt for versus just trying to hunt for the entire framework. Okay, I did get a little spicy. I did flip out, but that's totally cool. I love this field and that's what I do, Roy. <laughs> Welcome to Simply Cyber where I flip out. Um, <laughs> So this wasn't a question, but I thought it was a really good, you know, discussion point. Okay. So Burke says, good point. When we were talking about code reuse, w would you say code reuse is a type of TTP? What are your thoughts on that? I think that uh, we, like when it comes to attackers technique, um, code reuse is more focused about the tool set that they are using. So uh, they build their tools, their malware, their arsenal of, of, of tools that they use for, for attacking. And those tools are generating and like doing all of these activities that can be mapped to specific uh, techniques. So uh, uh, I think essentially the, the code can be, uh, and we see it, like malware can do different type of, uh, of techniques and operate in different uh, ways. Uh, and attackers usually uh, reuse code to, to not re reinvent the wheel. It's, uh, it's good for them uh, as well. However, recently MITRE released uh, what they call the MITRE DEFEND uh, uh, matrix, mm -hmm. uh, which is like a, a set of, uh, of uh, uh, techniques that can be used to actually defend against, uh, against uh, threat. And one of the techniques talks about file content and uh, specifically malware content. So that's definitely a very good way to look into the code and uh, and find similarities and patterns uh, so you can detect the malware. Yeah, I, I definitely think of it as a TTP. Um, you can't, <laughs> I mean, you know, commodity malware is going to be commodity malware, but you know, the the, the sophisticated developed stuff is going to have the developer, the human who was writing it, like kind of their their way of solving problems. If you've ever written computer code, you can solve the same, find this string inside this other string problem 50 different ways, right? It's not like there's one way to solve it. So yeah. uh, another question from my name, um, will there be a non-enterprise edition? I'd like to I'd like to say definitely, Roy, you can comment on this, but I use the non-enterprise edition. Um, I've, I've dabbled with the enterprise edition, but yeah, it's it, I love using the, the non-enterprise one. Can you speak to this? Sure. So yeah, there is a non-enterprise edition. It's, uh, it's free. Uh, you get uh, 50 scans a month. You can scan uh, uh, files um, and get all of this uh, 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 stuff that we showed in the in the demo, at least uh, some of them. Uh, there, the enterprise features include more scans, uh, uh, better uh, privacy, and some more advanced uh, capabilities. Mm -hmm. But there is definitely a free edition, and we encourage everybody uh, to to use it. Yeah, thank you. Um, a question that I had, um, someone actually texted it to me, so I, I don't know if they had to run and they're going to watch it on replay, um, but. So is, is, is the solution, like, is it a sandbox or is it, how is it different than a sandbox? That, that part's a little confusing. 
Oh, did we lose you, Roy? Uh-oh. Yeah. We may- so, uh, we may- uh, yeah, there you, you are, Roy. I, thought, I think we lost people, you for a uh, second there. When they just... Hmm. Oh, there you are. Hey. There you are, Roy. Can you hear me? I can hear you, but it's a little, it's a little bumpy. It's a little bumpy. Let's, let's see. Yeah. Perfect. Time to have a network. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, maybe, maybe drop video just to free up some right. bandwidth and do audio only. Save those precious packets for audio data. <laughs> can you hear me now? I can hear you perfectly, Roy. Can you talk? The question was around whether or not, is, in, is there a sandbox? Is it not a sandbox? What's the difference? Great. Oh, and no. observed. No. Yeah, you, you're popping in and out. Let's let's give it one more shot, and then maybe <laughs> maybe it's the question. I'll ask you a different question. <laughs> Sorry, I, I can you hear me now, uh, Jerry? Let's try. Yes, yes. Great. So usually when people refer to sandbox, they talk about an environment where they can execute uh, the a malware, a potential malware, and see how it interacts observe its behavior. Um, so this is one capability that you get uh, for Maintezer. But uh, on top of this uh, sandboxing uh, capability, uh, we also look inside the, 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 the code itself and compare it against a massive database of uh, benign software, legitimate software, as well as malware and uh, threats uh, that we uh, observed and uh, collect. So you get, in addition to like the standard sandboxing, uh, dynamic execution and analysis, you get uh, uh, a comparison to this massive database. So we compare both the code, what we uh, 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 really do, like this reverse engineering and automatically compare, it, compare the DNA of the, of the malware and also all of the things that were observed. Uh, so the whole concept, we call it uh, genetic uh, analysis for software because we basically look at all the characteristics that we can just extract and compare it against the database. And uh, I hope that uh, you could hear me clearly. Yeah, absolutely. You came through crystal clear. I think everything kind of resolved as the last of the video bits uh, went mm. through. Let me oh. try to get my video. Okay. Back. All right. We're going to roll the dice. I like it. I like it. So um, yeah. there was another question here that was really interesting and, and worth noting. Um, you know, I, I don't know how to read this uh, name. So thank you, uh, viewer. Uh, what about privacy with Intezer? So you, you throw a binary up, you throw a, a file up, Excel macro, whatever. Um, what What is the relationship around sensitive data? Sure. So uh, this is one of the limitation of the free edition. Uh, basically, with the free edition, every sample that you upload is shared with the, the community. Um, so, so I wouldn't uh, uh, advise to send stuff that may contain private information. Um, if that's your case, you want to upload stuff that are private and that you're concerned about, I recommend look into our enterprise edition, the paid edition, that you get privacy. Uh, with the paid edition, uh, all your files are private, are not shared with anybody else, and you can also remove them. 
um, at any time. So if you accidentally uploaded something and you even want, although it's not shared with anyone else, you can also uh, remove it uh, from the system. So it can be very uh, private. Yeah, and that's a fairly common uh, approach in in the industry for uh, tooling technologies to to have to have that because it's a benefit to the community um, by having that. Um, all right, well, we're just almost at time, Roy. What I always like to do, and I should have told you this before we went live, I always like to give my guest an opportunity to you know take the stage, final thoughts, speak your mind. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll give that opportunity to you right now, uh, as we kind of close out the show, the, the floor is yours, Roy. Um, great. Uh, so, um, I would just say that I, I love being part of an industry where, uh, where what I do and what my team does is, is, is our passion. Our work is our passion. So I always like to, to get uh, some feedback, uh, about our product, um, and about the offering that we provide and the technology. So. Uh, I would just encourage you all to to try it out and uh, contact us and let us know what you think. And uh, that's it. Play around. Awesome. All right, Roy, let me send you off to the green room. And just so everybody knows, there will be a link. I have to update the, the show description. Um, I couldn't do it beforehand. There will be a link to the show in the show description that can take you right to the platform so you can register for the free account and you know throw binaries at it and see what happens. All right, Roy, thanks so much. We're going to send you off now. Take care. Bye, Jerry. Bye, everyone. All right, guys. So real quick housekeeping things before we um, call, call it a day. What am I doing? All this different stuff. Guys, if you don't know, I know many of you in chat do know, uh, every single morning, weekday morning, we are going live with a cybersecurity threat intelligence briefing uh, to really prep you for the day and be able to just move forward as a practitioner and absolutely kick butt. Plus, plus, you know, I'm a bit biased, but I got to tell you, the community in there is strong. There's a lot of great discussion, a lot of great networking going on every single morning. Um, tomorrow, Friday, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're interested, I hope you can make it. I'm super pumped and I, I genuinely love it. And I notice a lot of people in chat tonight are regulars at the first things first. Also, a new show idea, guys. So it'll be a pilot episode tomorrow. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm doing a show called What's on Your Radar? And it'll be every Friday at 4 p.m. And it's going to be, the panel will, will be me. I'll be much more talkative than... Um, than I normally am on, on Simply Cyber Live. And it's senior practitioners. There'll be three or four of us, and we'll be talking about what's on our radar right now. Like, what is something that popped off that caused us to go, wait, wait a minute, dig in deep, and, and really want to understand. And the point is, we're going to share what's on, like, I'll share what's on my radar, and I'll tell you why it's on my radar. I'll tell you what I discovered and why I think it's important. And the gear here is that, junior analysts and people trying to break into the industry, but really junior analysts who haven't quite developed the depth of experience to be able to weigh, you know, this thing from this thing and understand the priority or, or the importance. Like you can, you can hear senior practitioners and, and get their thought process on this. And I'm hoping that it's going to be a major value add um, to the community. And I've got a stable of like 20 different senior professionals across the entire industry, um, you know, in, in different regions too, frankly. Um, who have agreed to become 
come on as rotating panelists. So it'll be me and Eric Taylor always, or most of the time, and then a rotating panelist. I think tomorrow we're going to have Steve Cardinal from Ceteria. He's a, a VCSO, a lot of, a lot of experience. Um, and he'll be our rotating seat tomorrow. So again, come check it out. It's a pilot episode. So who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to it. Guys, I really, really enjoy and appreciate all of you. I thought your questions were fantastic. I thought chat was really good. I saw a lot of support, a lot of love. Um, Outpost Grace sending her, her squad over. Definitely, genuinely appreciate that. You guys, thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Go check out Enderzer's product as soon as I update that show description and get the link in there for you to add to your toolbox of tools to help you defend your organization. Until next time, stay secure. Thank you.